Welcome to the third season of the Ashlers podcast. We are thrilled about our progress and more importantly grateful for your support and encouragement. We are going in strong with ever more energy and passion into the third season of our humble little initiative that is to show the true light of freemasonry by being India's first and only podcast on freemasonry. In this season we continue to highlight papers by Indian masons and showcase the wealth of masonic knowledge and wisdom in India. Additionally, we will also shine some light on various other degrees beyond the craft with a view to help masons discover the true joy of being a mason and expand their horizons. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely of the participants and do not represent any official positions including those of any grand lords or constituents thereof best efforts have been made to keep the conversation on the level for brethren and non masons alike hello and welcome folks to yet another episode of the ashlers yes we are back and what's more is that this marks the beginning of season 3 that's right folks this little podcast has now grown from season 1 to season 2 and now we are at season 3 and obviously the question is what's new right well we have discussed about the spread of masonry in in india and you know the surrounding countries in season 1 in season 2 we took Uh, a different direction where we wanted to focus on papers by indian masons and bring it to the world in season 3 we will be broadening our horizons a little more we will continue talking about the papers because honestly the papers are amazing the uh, masonic wisdom is just you know it's an ocean so <laughs> one small season won't do justice right so we will discuss papers obviously we will also be talking about what next as a freemason uh, you know does freemasonry have for you so after the three craft degrees what next so we'll you know delve into those topics as well and we will have a second helping of the round table now if you recall in the first round table we discussed about the uh, chapter 1 of morals and dogma and in the second helping we'll go to the second chapter so with that let's start off this episode with a fresh new paper by our very own co-host of this podcast worshipful brother rinesh hegde on on that note you know it's it's an interesting title and it talks about something that happened 300 years back but my question <laughs> is <laughs> my question is rinesh freemasonry is also 300 years old and i think we spoke about that uh you know so what is this all about what else happened 300 years ago yeah thanks thanks a lot shishir and uh, to all our listeners well thank you very much for staying with us and continuing or being part of our journey as uh, shishir mentioned right yes we started as a smaller uh, maybe it was just a thought like let's do something about freemasonry and share it with the world but well we are season third season 24 episodes in each of these seasons i think 48 episodes of interacting with you guys and uh, understanding so as shishir mentioned 
300 years i think we already spoke about these 300 years or at least in your own lodge you would have spoken about it back in 2017 300 years is already over of organized freemasonry so obviously back in 1717 when four lodges came together to form a grand lodge so that's when it kind of started so why am i talking in 2023 about 300 years now that's an interesting concept and i would like to first kind of give you an idea of where this idea or this topic came into being so uh, there is a lodge in chennai called lodge satsang and they occasionally on the day when they were consecrated they have a satsang day basically a bo- under the bodhi uh, day which they actually have wherein they invite brethren from around the country to or discuss or rather share their insights about freemasonry with any papers or debates or any discussions which happens they also uh, apparently also have a concept wherein they ask brethren to write a paper and that paper is being judged by uh, senior brethren and obviously that brother gets rewarded the whosoever's paper is actually chosen now in that last when this happened right i was all, i was one of uh, the brother who was invited to this uh, event and i was like wow i really need to write something about it uh, coincidentally just before that i had to meet two advocates uh, they apparently heard about freemasonry and they had come to our freemasons hall it was during our meeting uh, when we were talking with them and advocates being advocates right like they wanted to understand the whole administration of freemasonry they like the concept of freemasonry okay they might have got some answers thanks to national treasure movies the da vinci code books by dan brown or many other concepts which has already available and i think uh, during the same time the lost symbol series was also uh, just uh, concluded so maybe they might have also seen that so when they came their question was not about what is freemasonry who is in freemasonry how is freemasonry they were asking us or rather they asked me who governs us now that question made me and shishir this is very interesting right like suddenly if somebody comes and asks you who governs you what would you think oh sorry what would your answer be an honest answer just think about it and tell me right now yeah i think um, you know like any well established uh, institution there has to be something which lays down the rules so what comes to my mind immediately is the bylaws that we have the warrant exactly. that a lodge has Ex- yeah Exactly exactly you know what you know what uh, shishir i did not think of that bylaws <laughs> came in my mind the moment they started probing more as in they started asking me more and that's when i realized but you know how my process went i was like oh the worshipful master governs us he creates order in the lodge then i'm like hey no that's not right something is <laughs> like it, it's right obviously he definitely in a way yeah order. but uh, yeah, there's something way, that yes. guides the master too <laughs> exactly there is something which guides the master then i thought okay maybe it's the seniors like like your secretary will be the one or the treasurer because he has the money then i realized it maybe it's the past masters but there is somebody about them all who is actually governing them and that's when i started thinking oh it's a region right like in yours and my case we being part of uh, lodges in bangalore we are part of the regional grand lodge of southern india so i thought oh it's the regional grand master then i'm like no man there is a grand lodge of india why am i even forgetting that obviously i did not take that long to understand but when i was writing i started like you could say funneling it down to that point of where it is but then again in grand lodge of india people come and people go there is, we have a grand master for 3 years we have a board of general purposes all administrative related stuff but what after that or rather still what is the underlying uh, basis of all of these things 
and that's when it remembered and i think it is obviously for all these brethren who are here or whoever are listening to us when you got initiated there is one very interesting book which was given to you which unfortunately for us most of us would just keep it aside but that book is the book of constitution and that book is what instructs us on the general duties we owe to this order and this book is what actually governs us so where there is where i had the answer well obviously the advocates wanted to actually ask me more and all that stuff so we kind of went over there but that's when it kind of triggered so when lot satsang had requested me dinesh let's talk about this this being 2023 i was like yeah this is the perfect uh paper which i would like to present uh i will just try to explain where our beginning started especially with regards to governing ourselves and that's where it came fascinating right how some interactions can make you go down a rabbit hole that you never would have even thought of and exactly exactly yeah and this might be a question that i wouldn't be surprised if someone else also might blurt out saying the grand lords of india is what governs us and uh, yeah. yeah it's a it's kind of like a knee jerk reaction right uh, like it's like asking someone uh, who who is governing who is governing india well obviously it's you know uh, the government that's been elected by the people of the country but that's who is right. governing them <laughs> it's it's uh, fascinating and it's good to have such interactions i mean uh, it's one thing for the set people to be of certain profession where you know asking questions is part of their job and probably becomes second nature but then again just see what a happy coincidence it it made you learn something new and i'm sure uh, our listeners will also feel the same way now coming to the paper rinesh there is an interesting paragraph uh, with a very interesting title it says the quest care to elaborate on that so so this entire journey right when obviously when i had to write the paper and at that moment when i started getting this question or rather when i interacted with those advocates i got that that was my quest and my quest in this paper was to try to find out where did it all start why was the constitution that important like today yes obviously you are reusing that constitution to govern yourself but that constitution is what i wanted to talk about it in this paper where did it all start from and i feel uh we need to actually go back to when freemasonry started and i'm not talking about the stonemason freemasonry okay not not the operative sense i would like to actually explore the speculative and shishit this was my quest my quest was to go back to that beginning where it all started it's also interesting to see that back in 1646 there was this person called elias ashmole uh who happens to be the first recorded uh, english speculative freemason to have entered an unknown lodge this is back in warrington lancashire right. uh yes. so it's kind of like these lodges existed but you know from a speculative standpoint and again speculative means that you are someone who is mulling over or introspecting uh, you know the teachings or sayings and you know try to derive some sort of meaningful uh, insightful information or or thought you know out of something so and and masonry today essentially is speculative right you can pick up any simple you know symbol any any particular charge and you could you know write oceans of matter on it 
because essentially you're speculating you're you're trying to figure out what does this mean and more the people that many you know different life circumstances of theirs which might influence in one way or the other of how they derive meaning from it so everyone's life is their own journey right so freemasonry also becomes a unique journey you have the tools go and figure out shishir the interesting point which i wanted to add right when i wrote about elias ashmole was not that he was just a speculative freemason and as you mentioned speculative in that sense because freemasonry at that time or the one which uh, the one which was actually existing pre uh, this during the 1600s and all was more of that operative sense they were literally the operative mason but as i said my idea was to understand where did this whole constitution came into place because every other lodge which was an operative uh, lodge they would definitely have some sort of a, a, a rules and regulation which they would be following but trying to create a book of constitution which will govern all the lodges definitely means there is some sort of a mix or rather somewhere down the line there has been some sort of sidetrack which would have happened and that is why that line which you just read from the paper right elias ashmole joined an unknown lodge with henry maywaring the reason why i brought these two names is very interesting i i did not write a lot about them but i definitely wrote one good paragraph about it and that paragraph is brings out that ashmole was actually a royalist so he obviously supported the king which uh, in england and maywaring was a supporter of the parliament they wanted to get out of that whole uh, kings and queens concept they said that the 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 country should be governed or rather moved ahead by the people of the country so just imagine that he a royalist and a parliamentarian or a, a, a supporter of parliament they both came together in one place joined something called freemasonry in the speculative sense especially during the english civil war and the idea why i am trying to bring is freemasonry even during that time was bridging that gap or as uh, was allowing to ensure or rather was ensuring that you stay away from your politics and religion and you all can still come together and become better in your way of living in this life this was back in 1600 when english civil war and when i'm talking about english civil war right or any other war as a matter of fact we can only write and speculate about it or write some or rather say oh yeah it was very bad or it was very good those are dark ages and all that stuff but only the person who has gone through it will understand what it means so civil war means literally like when you think about that word right it it just is heavy on you and you can imagine what those people would have been doing at that time and imagine there are two opposite faction of people coming together and harmoniously working towards each other, with each other that's what freemasonry was all about interesting note uh, ranesh i also see a mention of you know uh, older constitutions uh, in your paper like if i were to bring up an example i see the scottish constitution yes so yes. you know and and uh, to just delve on the point where you said that people of two opposite factions came together i think that is where the beauty of freemasonry lies that you can agree to disagree but that does not mean that both of you cannot be good people that's right? true at the end of the day like i said earlier it's uh, your journey and how do you want to be a better person so, absolutely 
yeah so let's let's talk about the scottish constitution part of uh, you know uh, in the grand scheme of things yes so uh there are obviously many uh, uh what do you, what should i say uh, evidences right that uh, freemasonry existed in scotland way before so there is a lodge of uh, lodge of edinburgh lodge kilvining which is also called the mother lodge see these are all answers and they are all there so why even though they were there right it's somehow still did not come to that point wherein speculative guys were able to join these lodges by the way and uh, there have been proof of 1500 and 1400 those things are still existing and all that stuff i had also written one more paper which i think we will definitely dwell in uh, 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 what should i say in some of our future episode which talks about the humble beginnings which actually talks about from where we come and that is where i have kind of started uh, exploring where did it all these this lodge concept started and i'm not talking about again as usual no not not the stone mason concept like oh these were there in the olden time no the in this existing scenario but what i found out when i was looking at all these uh, uh, as in all these other constitutions was especially freemason in scotland there was something called charges mentioned and these charges are very interesting and uh, just to give you a quick idea shishir you know when you would have obviously attended the installation of a master in your lodge now there are certain charges which are read out to the master and those charges he kind of agrees upon that is where that whole connection came for me so these old charges which were uh, available at god knows how many years and everything is what made me started realizing that that might be the initial phase or rather the initial design of what the book of constitution is all about and when i was obviously going through all of these things i found out that when even when ashmol and maywerings uh, were joining this uh, lodge apparently there was a manuscript which was called sloan 3848 i i don't know what exactly the number was all about but they had actually mentioned it as a charge which was given to them they were responsible for writing those charges and uh, not they in this and not ashmol and maywering there was a person in the lodge who was responsible for writing them so when i started exploring them right they were i found almost around 30 plus odd charges starting from something called as the regis poem or the halliwell manuscript which is by far one of the oldest uh, somewhere it was written somewhere back in 1390 and cook manuscript which was written back in 1410 these as of for premises we consider them to the oldest manuscripts referenced upon and interestingly these charges are very straightforward you know like they have a prayer which obviously uh, gives the ablations to god then they have a historical section which talks about the history of that order of the craft and then finally the charges charges in this case literally means rules like what will you be doing and that's exactly how it all started and i would definitely recommend uh, brethren as well as other listeners to kindly read about these free mason charges if you actually read about it you will come to know that god knows how old these things are some of these charges were talking about adam some of them are talking about noah king solomon obviously and the temple the king solomon's first temple and similarly uh, one of these charges actually also spoke about the first grand assembly at york which was held back in 926 ad by a person called prince edwin who was a half brother of a king called king ethelstan he was the first king of all england so 926 and today 2023 we have come a long way 
and that is exactly what it is so, and as you were asking me about the whole scotland uh, angle right so there is a person called william shaw who was appointed master of work so he had written shaw statutes these statutes are basically like those charges and he provided 22 clauses that gives an elaborate code of how a lodge meeting should be undertaken which talks about how a lodge should be run what supervision of work should be done uh, non attendance of lodge meetings there should be fine for non attendance of lodge meetings how does a master like every year a master changes a new person takes over the mastership all this was done in a very impeccable and democratic manner just imagine this was in the middle of that english civil war and something around that time such things were being generated so you know talking about organizing and to okay let me put it this way uh it's kind of like bringing order to chaos right uh we are trying to organize things uh, make it orderly and what not so why i'm bringing this up is because i'm going through the other paragraph which says the grand lords of london and westminster i would like to read the first line verbatim okay this is interesting uh, especially for those who love history right so you might find this interesting so here goes four lords in london and westminster used to hold meetings at four london taverns the goose and gridiron alehouse in st paul's churchyard the crown in parker lane near drury lane the apple tree tavern in charles street uh, covent garden and the rummer and grapes tavern in channel row westminster now we all i'm sure anyone who's even remotely interested in freemasonry would have heard at least of the grand uh you know the the grand lodge that's there in london so this lodge again was formed for a very interesting reason i believe and i think rinesh you would be the best person to elaborate on that so go for it yeah thanks thank you very much for that shishir uh, so so obviously we have heard about this lodge by the way shishir this is exactly when the first grand lodge was actually formed uh, which for organized freemasonry however this was not exactly the first grand lodge because in my paper i have also mentioned that there was a grand lodge of york which was technically the first grand lodge which brought all the lodges together but i think somewhere down the line they might not have been that uh famous and some reasons something to for me to do my homework or explore more this was the grand lodge of york in 1705 by the way now 1717 which was after some years right these four lodges which you mentioned came together and among them they chose one uh, uh senior person and that person was said that now you are uh, by the way he, uh, so this the senior person was said oh, you know what let's come together and we will uh Uh, form a grand lodge and that is the grand lodge of london and westminster because these four lodges were at different places their idea was to come together and we have been told that this is the uh, start of developing this worldwide fraternity of freemasonry as we know today however while reading about it i realized there was a very interesting uh, take on why this grand lodge was formed it was more political than goodwill and political not in the sense of like oh i will try to uh, stab you in the back kind of a politics it's a very different type of political see they knew what freemasonry can do which was basically ensure that human beings can understand the concept of science uh, uh, the concept of what god is all about and a lot a lot more other stuff 
without having somebody coming up and going, oh, you are questioning the authority. That doesn't look nice. No, Freemasonry was giving the people that option. And that's why the whole speculative guys or other non-operative Freemasons joined such lodges and the speculative sense started growing. So obviously Freemasonry had that kind of a weightage, had that kind of, uh, what should I say, the zeal of going ahead. But you, as I mentioned, English Civil War, you were in the middle of a power struggle, the Stuarts and the Hanoverians. Like the Jacobite uh, revolution, as well as the Hanovers and one side, my goodness, you could have imagined that if I don't take sides, I am going to get crushed. Uh, the crush is a very simple word for killing in this case. So if you want to understand that entire concept, we need to understand that history. And obviously, I'm not going to give that history lesson. But this is that London used to support or Londoners were supporters of George the first who was a Hanoverian okay whereas your Shaw statuettes and all which was coming from the Scottish where was Stuart based so those guys obviously were taking over the overall London uh, and I'm not talking Freemasonry I'm talking about the kings and queens so obviously there was a power struggle so guys were trying to say oh if you're joining Masonry that means you're supporting the whole Stuart based system oh no if I'm not joining this kind of a group then I'm definitely supporting the Hanovers and everything so all these was giving a lot of problem. So that's when they said, you know what, we need to actually have a good proper group which can interact with the royal and ensure that there is nothing something like this which is happening. Now, however, it is not that simple. You know, when you go or let, let's say, for example, a marketing person is actually going and talking or trying to sell that concept. What do you do? You bring that whole benefits. But sometimes those benefits, if I'm already having some other kind of a method, I'm not going to be interested in that. Now, that is where history comes into place. Now, imagine you bring that kind of an history, present it on a platter. Shishir, I am guarantee you tomorrow if I come to you and tell you that your ancestor used to rule at one point of time or were owners of certain pieces of land or were downtrodden at certain things, it automatically is going to change the mindset which you have about your own ancestors. Yes or no? Think about it and tell me yes or no. That's a loaded question, yeah. <laughs> but, so of exactly, course, right? but of course, just, yes. Just imagine, yeah. you, you bring that kind of history and tell that, oh, you know what? You were the Aladdin and you had a Chirag with you. You are going to, wow, man, where is the Chirag, man? So the, the point is, where is that lamp which I could have actually used and solved a lot of issues? But when you bring such things, right? The same thing is with Freemasonry. And that is exactly where the background of this whole story comes into place. It was the second grandmaster, a uh, person named as George Payne, the second grandmaster of this Grand Lodge, right? He took the help of John Theophilus de Saulier and John Montau as his wardens. And within six years of the formation of this Grand Lodge, John Montau became the second duke and he became a grandmaster. So in all these years, they had some minor lord, earl, royal prince, everything was happening. This entire move was separating themselves from the Scottish roots of Freemasonry. So the London Masons were actually building the popularity and standing of Masons in the London's Hanoverian society. This was the background which they were trying to work on so that they are not pushed aside. They are not stopped from doing the good work. But how much can you do? That's where, as I mentioned, the history comes into place. That's the history which they wanted somebody to write. So there came the protagonist of this paper. What is the 300 years in 2023 that we are talking about? 
it is the 300 years of the anderson's constitution the base of all that which we have been talking about or rather the base where the quest for of me knowing what governs freemasonry started the book of constitution the original protagonist of that book was reverend james anderson now that you mentioned reverend james anderson uh it's interesting to kind of just think about the person's mindset right yes here is a man of of you know uh, like like one would say the man of the cloth right someone who knows theosophy or religion rather is a scholar of sorts obviously what would such a person do he wants to make sure that people are understanding it are supporting it without question in a way right so the best way would be to bring up stories that everyone is familiar with everyone agrees with and everyone uh, would immediately you know uh, say yes to so this guy brings up fictionalized versions of biblical stories drawing parallels and again the idea uh, and not just biblical i mean he's he's looked into many other you know uh, religious books uh, but the idea what he wanted to bring as i understand rinesh from your paper is that he wanted to ensure that the message gets across now whether the story is real hmm. is it a historical fact whether those people really existed is besides the point the point is that hey here is a message i'm trying to you know convey to you through this particular story and make what you can you know do with that so it's a classic case of you know read the message but don't worry about the messenger or don't shoot the messenger in essence but uh, if you can add some more color to it or uh, add elaborate on the drama so to speak yeah so as you mentioned right he's not just any other person he's a reverend james anderson he wanted to ensure that he brings that biblical narrative and just to ensure that this new organization this masonic organization which was started in london and westminster was not derailed by the jacobite masons which were from the scotland so he created on 17 january 1723 the book the constitution of the free masons containing the history charges regulation etc of that most ancient and right worshipful fraternity so what did it contain very simple it had a dedication page to the grace uh, to his grace the duke of montau then the constitution history laws charges orders regulation basically the history of the craft then it had something which is very interesting which i really loved was the charges of a freemason there were six of them with certain sub points then there was a general regulation which was compiled by mr george payne the manner of constituting a new lodge starting a new lodge or creating one okay and then finally the songs for the master wardens fellow craft and entered apprentice i would highly recommend if you are able to get your hands on these book and by which by the way soft copies are available online you can just search for anderson's constitution and you will find that now very interesting as i said instead of obviously explaining the entire concept let me just talk about the charges of freemason beautiful first one talks about of god and religion second of the civil magistrate supreme and subordinate literally means obey the law of the land third of the lodges again means attend <laughs> and i'm emphasizing on this point because this is one big issue for everybody in everywhere uh, in every other lodge 
it's a harmonious society of good men attend your lodge meeting you will get to know people you will learn from them the fourth point was uh, of masters wardens fellows and apprentices so you're chosen based on merit and uh, then you have management of the craft in working you know basic how do you do what do you do in a lodge and all that stuff finally behavior beautifully done now shishir and i will go through one at a time we will we will just read that and we are just going to give you what exactly it talks about i'll start first the first one behavior in the lodge while constituted it means it literally talks about you need to act appropriately and with respect work out your disagreements amongst yourselves do we need to emphasize no i think you understand what i'm talking about respect expect them or rather respect them the way you expect them to respect you behave with them that way shishir second point for you yeah and this one i i like this point actually you know let me read it after the lodge is over and the brethren not have not gone the sub point or like the brief to this is interesting enjoy yourself but not too too much of an excess uh, maintain harmony especially no arguments uh, no talk about re- religion or politics it's it's common sense it's it's uh, i mean if someone is just having simple common sense it it makes sense right uh, the point is at the end of the day be a good person in and out of the lodge doesn't matter but just make an effort to be a good person and anything in too much or too much of an excess uh, is anyway not good right so i think this point writes itself <laughs> yes Next one. yes the third one is when brethren meet without strangers uh, without means outside basically when they are meeting other strangers but not in a lodge simply it says act as a gentleman now the obviously the definition of gentleman you have been able to change and we have changed it god knows for many reasons but if i go back to that old style right it literally talks about take care to not disclose lodge business around others respect his honor as is due any man even if he is not a mason and avoid ill manners can you imagine it is written there you anyway are respecting another brother because obviously as i said right that whole uh, royalist and parliament uh, supporter are coming together during the english civil war so they expected that but similarly anderson brought that concept and made sure that outside also you should behave that way he is still a human being let him have his own values let sorry let him have his own ideas if you don't agree doesn't mean that you have to fight with him somebody not agreeing to your point is not supposed to be what your enemy you have to continue being as a perfect is a good person what is wrong with you that's the idea which they are saying so avoid ill manners act as a gentleman the fourth point is um in the presence of strangers uh, meaning people who are not masons be on your guard to not disclose any information about the fraternity now i know there might be some people who might be like wait what the hell you can't talk about your fraternity hold on hold your horses it basically means that do not unnecessarily you know uh talk or do not unnecessarily uh, reveal information that is not really relevant or That's which true. may be yeah which or something which may be misleading or could be misunderstood or taken out of context so the essence is Yes you can share stuff but be careful of what you're sharing it should make sense to the people as well number one second thing it should also not violate any of our obligations 
Now, as a Freemason, you know what that means, right? So be in your due bounds. Use that compass of common sense, I would say. Next one, Ranesh. Yeah, uh, but Shishir, I wanted to add this. You know, this yeah. comes from the time when it, it was a bit difficult, right? Like to just tell that I oh, am a Freemason and people will not be able to understand. Things today uh, have changed. People actually understand Freemasonry also. Like no, maybe not, not in the sense that you and I would have understood, but obviously from a different perspective. They don't now think, oh, yes, I know you. You do not like my king. <laughs> or you are the ones who have come from that side and trying so to do true. some... Exactly. So maybe during that time, obviously that process was also there. However, as you mentioned, in today's situation, if I talk about it, what you're saying is absolutely correct. What is supposed to be shared is only what you're going to share. Me saying that I'm a Mason is not stopping, right? If that was the case, we would not even have had a banner outside of our own Freemasons Lodge or even okay. a website of our, or our lodge or our region or our grand. We would not have done that. Or photos so of ours in case if we have a meeting somewhere. Come on. I know. And, and we would you not know, have done I, that. And, and I'm, I'm happy you brought this up because I want to also add one context to it. So, uh, like I mentioned, right, when I was saying that do not say something which might be taken out of context. Now, why is context important? I was referencing uh, or rather the context in my mind was more about our present scenario, today's time, our current era, 2023. Rinesh, since he obviously has written the paper, he is now thinking not from 2023, but he's th thinking 300 years back. Now, for people back then in that era, their challenges were different altogether. Right. So again, context matters and it's good that we could, you know, bring both the uh, different contexts together to give a better picture. Anyway, next one, Anish, it's with you. Yeah. Next one is at home and in the neighborhood. Act as a moral and wise man. Don't neglect your family. Simple. This is very, very simple. I don't think we need a charge for this, but we needed it. I think at that point, people were like, oh, I have work outside of my house. Oh, I have to go help my friend. Oh, I have to go do this. Oh, I have to do that and neglect the family. No. And I think, uh, Shishir, you and I have spoken about this enough number of times that whatever you want to do, make sure that you are not detrimental, as in the things are not detrimental to yourself or your connections. Make sure that you are in the right footing before you do something else. And that's exactly what, in a nutshell, it talks about. That's true, you know, especially in today's time where work-life balance is almost like a mm -hmm. figment of someone's imagination or a wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this makes more sense even now. See, at the end of the day, uh, you still have uh, your home to go back to, your folks to go back to, your company could keep changing, your business could keep changing, your colleagues could keep changing. But there are this small group of people uh, or maybe on a physical location like a house you know that doesn't change if that is in a mess no matter how great partnerships you would have forged in your professional life you're still gonna suck at life <laughs> so is that fundamental right so anyway moving to the next one towards a strange brother use caution until you determine he's not an imposter if a brother Help him to the best of your ability. Again, common sense, man. Now, okay, let me put it in this way, right? Going back 300 years ago, you're meeting someone, probably he or she is a spy, 
and wants to get information out of you how do you determine that is it safe to talk to so and so person there must be some mechanism whatever it might have been but the point is that they are cautioning the people the brother in here saying that again be careful what you talk with whom you talk right and if you are confirmed that the next person is a brother make sure that you know uh, you're you're uh, taking care of this person maybe he is a new person in the city doesn't know anyone doesn't know the place how can you make his stay you know uh, really uh, hassle free so and and we practice that even today for that matter when we have visitors from different countries different lodges we really make them feel welcome we don't even make them feel like as if they have come for the first time they leave thinking that you know i known this i've known this people for ages that's the kind of hospitality i think that's it these are the six uh, based on the behavior portion of the charges uh, apart from obviously the first five which i spoke about and that is where the overall concept of this whole thing which which, which i spoke about right like who governs us the book of constitution where did it come from that's where it comes from this anderson's constitution written back in 1723 300 years that establishes the values via its charges and its organizational framework through its regulation freemasonry at its time stimulated an enlightenment culture the constitution was a fulcrum a hinge on which freemasonry turned from its medieval past to a more radical present and future and it still turns to the ever changing world around us when people are struggling and understanding what exactly can freemasonry do our last paper which we spoke about in our last season is freemasonry still relevant today has been a big hit right like many people still come up and say it, that this is exactly what was required why is it relevant today these are the things and the interesting part is that constitution written back in 1723 still ensures that today also if you follow that you can actually have a harmonious life that literally shows one thing that we human beings are very uh, what should i say straightforward in that sense right like we know what we want back in 1700 it's also the same problem 2000 also is the same problem honestly it may not seem much today but when anderson's constitution was uh, what, what came out right it was monumental till the book was launched there was not a single guide freemasons had which and which they could follow and not talking about the ritual portions or what to do inside nothing of that sort it was about how do they behave then they used to obviously emulate their mentor or somebody who has introduced them that's ma- that's the maximum which they could do and today honestly speaking based on all that ch- charges or based on all those points which anderson has written the way that 300 years have gone by the way freemasons have actually uh, molded themselves we shishir and i and including you other brethren should owe a debt of gratitude for ensuring that we were able to work and act in that order thanks to that book that charge was the basis of all the other constitution which came in the charges from our constitution has also opted those universally those values right like including the united grand lodge of england grand lodge of india grand lodge of scotland grand lodge of ireland the various grand lodges in united states of america and rest of the places uh, australia canada everywhere yeah? you have it so this is what for you shishir right i i as i told you about that installation so during that installation when the installing master mentions to the worshipful master that the book of constitution will set him right in any case of difficulties 
he is not parroting a line but he is mentioning what has been proved right since time immemorial that's the paper that's what the paper is all about very nice conclusion ranesh and you know the more i think about especially these the charges of a freemason that you and i did a you know back and forth on the more i go through this i can't help but think that this is plain common sense right it's not something that someone would have thought oh wow this is like out of this world kind of a thought no not really and it just goes to say that you know the no matter how complicated like if you just see masonry as it exists today in the world any corner of you know the planet however masonry exists there is some level of uniformity you know i would not feel out of place uh, in a lodge in the us or maybe in japan if they are doing you know uh, any of the working and it all stems from one or two or three four people just using their simple thought and putting it into words i mean uh, just to go back to this line right after the lodge is over and the brethren are not gone enjoy yourself but not to too much of an excess common sense right so exactly. the point i'm trying to make is the simplest things have the biggest impacts because after all it is a tiny little seed that sprouts a tree in due time given the right conditions so as human beings i would say this if your moral compass says that it's okay to hurt someone but that still means that you're a good person then i really feel you need to <laughs> upgrade your that, sense of compass. common sense <laughs> upgrade no, no, the, the compass, compass also needs to be changed <laughs> <laughs> everything needs to change because hurting people is never right uh, no matter how you might want to justify it and there's no replacement for common sense i think it's as simple as that treat the other like how you would like to be treated and if you feel that hurting the other person is correct and you don't mind getting hurt then my god you need to do something about your life but anyway uh, very good paper inish uh, enjoyed this one and again it's important to go back to some of these things to just refresh the memory and you know constantly ask yourself where did we start from where are we going and how do we ensure that the good things are continued things that are going off track are you know uh, identified and mitigated early on and we while we maintain a good legacy we also are working in the present to create amazing legacies that will you know enrich the future so with that folks we have come to an end of the first episode of season 3 i am sure that you would love to have this paper and we would be more than happy to send this across to you so if you want this uh, paper in its pdf format we will be happy to share over an email or whatsapp so those of you who would love to reach out to us please do so uh, we will send across the paper to you and uh, please as always we say let us know about any feedbacks or if there's a few words of appreciation please send that our way as well we love to hear that it energizes us and it just gives us that little nudge to you know think that whatever we are doing is actually helping someone it is giving some insight to someone and they, it's making their life better in some small little manner um, 
So with that, I take everyone's leave. This is Shishir signing off. And thank you from Rinesh. That's all folks. We sincerely hope that you liked our episode and got a glimpse into the fascinating world of Freemasonry. If you have any queries about what we have shared on the podcast or about Freemasonry in general, please check out the show notes for links to the Grand Lodge of India's website or write us an email which is theashlerspodcast at gmail.com.